Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. So this is the third in a series of episodes on Facebook marketing. Uh, The first one was on Facebook pages and Facebook ads. The second one was on Facebook social plugins. And this one is on the Facebook graph API. Now, if you're not a technical person, don't freak out. This is not a technical podcast. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to cover three case studies, Amazon, Spotify, and a European review site called Kype. And... We're going to talk about how they're actually using Facebook to socialize their destination websites. And if these case studies are any glimpse of things to come, I think we're going to see uh, 2011 as the year that the social network became less about a dot-com destination and more about uh, features that could be integrated into your own website. It all starts with the login with Facebook button. You may have seen it. You go to a website and it says login with Facebook. You essentially give the website operator permission to access your basic Facebook information in exchange for access to premium features on their website. Um, In many cases, you actually get a request for permissions screen at the time when you are logging in with Facebook. And uh, there are prompts um, that basically allow you to give up more information from your extended data and about your friends and other things. Um, Unlike Facebook's social plugins, which are really easy and simple to install, you just grab a little piece of code and you're off and running, the Graph API is actually a bit more tricky, uh, but it also offers much greater access to read and write information from Facebook.com to a third-party destination site. Um, Facebook user profiles and actions, when they're aggregated, create a very accurate, detailed demographic profile of the user. And if you think about it, that's sort of the one thing that's been missing, at least from a marketer standpoint, um, with social media channels today, right? RSS is fabulous, but you have no idea who's actually listening. I mean, if, if you're a podcaster and you've ever tried to sell podcast advertising, the first question you get is, well, who's listening? How do I know who's listening? And, you know, Facebook actually really solves that problem, you know, for the first time, um, they solve this problem of who's listening um, because they're able to, through the Graph API, give you a profile of who's on your website and collect demographics on the visitors. And, you know, that's kind of the huge thing about Facebook. Um, It's a richer storehouse of user preferences to cross-reference website activity against. So you're in a much better position to market against or make a market rather from that audience. Obviously, from a consumer privacy standpoint, you know, as people start waking up to how the Graph API works, they'll probably become more demanding about the quality of services they trade their personal information for. If it's lame, why would you give up your extended data, right, or your friend's data? What I got most out of this episode is an understanding that the power of the Facebook platform is not so much Facebook.com, but rather the connections, identities, and interests of the network's users. Right? That information, from a marketing standpoint, 
is much more powerful than the interface at facebook.com. Uh, this really is the first media channel that gives you accurate information on who's listening, uh, what their likes are, what their interests are, who their friends are, where they live, all kinds of information. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, coming up, I want to mention a couple episodes um, that are coming down the pike. The first is um, a, uh, an interview with um, a Weber Shanwick VP named Brooke Warden. Uh, it's actually uh, guest hosted by Sandra Burroughs, who interned for this podcast um, in the end of 2010. Um, and uh, in that interview, uh, she talks to Brooke Warden about the social media crisis simulator Firebell that Weber Shanwick has established to help clients with social media crisis training. They're using this tool to drill, and the tool replicates the urgency of online attacks uh, and gives PR professionals a chance to uh, get, get some hands-on experience of how they would actually respond under pressure, under the pressure of social media. Um, and another thing I want to mention coming down the pike, uh, to celebrate the release of my book on B2B social media, uh, the first book devoted exclusively to this title, uh, my co-author, Paul Gillen, and I are going to be releasing a series of podcasts on how to use social media for business-to-business -business marketing. Now we're going to play for you the Facebook marketing tips from Amazon, Spotify, and Kype episode. It's actually a presentation by Facebook partner engineer Simon Cross, uh, the same partner engineer that did the uh, briefing on the like button and social plugins in the episode prior to this, and also a brief presentation by Kype country manager uh, for France, Vincent Wormus. I hope you enjoy. So the Graph API is um, the way that if you have a product, you can allow your users to come into this product and bring with them their friends and their interests. And that allows you to build deep, engaging experiences. So the social plugins are really easy, but they're pretty simple. You know, like buttons, boxes, modules, pretty simple. The Graph API gives you deep access to um, the power of the social and the content graph. It all starts with this button, which you've probably seen around the web. But once you click it, it means that your application can start making calls to our API, calls like this. You can get some of my personal data, you can get a picture for me, you can find out about the things I've liked, you can see the movies I've liked, in fact you can see all kinds of different subsets of the things I've liked. You can find out who my friends are, and once you've found my friends, you can start to look at what they like, and you can start to look at other parts of, of their profiles too. So by default, you get the basic information about the user profile. But as you want to get more and more data about that user, you can prompt the user to give you extended permissions, we call them, to get access to more and more data. Not only can you just get interesting data to build into your application, you can do other things too. You can search. You can search our entire graph. You can search public streams. You can search for places nearby where you are. So if you're building a mobile product, we have an API that allows you, once you know where the user is and you know that they want the web, you can search for it and display it on a map inside your application. So not only can you search, but you can publish back to Facebook as well from the API. You can publish a message to my feed, which just says hello. 
for example, I could publish uh, a graph call to say that I'm attending an event, and I can even upload pictures to Facebook via the API. So you can see the power that this low level, it's a bit more complicated than you see the social plugins, but you can see if you leverage this in the right way, the power it can bring to your application. So as I said, I didn't want to get too technical in this, in this talk, but let's walk through a few examples of, of how, they've, um, how some people have implemented this stuff. So one of the great examples in Europe is Spotify. So why would Spotify integrate with Facebook? I mean, why would you bother? Spotify is all about music. Well, music is social. We talk about it with our friends. That's not the main reason. The main reason is Spotify has thousands of artists, hundreds of thousands of artists, and millions of songs. And when you have a category an inventory like that, the problem or the challenge is how do I find what I want? So you have standard mechanisms, right? You've got search, you've got what's new, you've got um, genres, you've got categories. Maybe you can browse by, um, by artist and then find related artists. But wouldn't it be awesome if I could see the music my friends are listening to? And it turns out that because I trust my friends and my friends are where I get music recommendations, if I embed Facebook via the Graph API right into this product, it has a completely transformative experience. So I come to Spotify, no, no longer am I bombarded with choice, so like, I don't know where to begin. I can share songs with my friends if I find something awesome. I can make playlists and invite my friends to build those with me for a house party or for my wedding. I'm not getting that, And I can see songs my friends are listening to the most. I can see their playlists. I can see what they're into. Integrating Facebook using the Graph API right into this product it's had such a transformative experience that Spotify now sees 60% of all of their traffic coming from Facebook. More than half. And that's through the power of taking Facebook, which is not just Facebook.com. Think about Facebook as the connection, the people, identity, their friends, the people they trust and respect, and their interests, the things they like. You bring that into your application and you can build something that's engaging and powerful. And that's what the Facebook platform is really all about. Here's another example. Christian talked about this earlier, but again, it's, I think it's a great example of the kinds of things you can do with um, Facebook Graph API. So I'm a guy, right? I hate shopping. I hate it. I, I never know what to buy. I forget birthdays. Like, I'm just rubbish at this stuff. And Amazon has a similar problem to Spotify. They have nearly every product available in the world to buy. And where do I start? I mean. It's a real problem for me. I, I don't know who to buy for, because I've forgotten where their birthdays are. I've no idea what they like. You know, I've met them maybe you know, recently, but they didn't tell me about the DVDs they like. And I could choose from a million things, or 10 million things to buy for them. So that's rubbish. So take a product like Amazon, and take its use case, and take its, its uh, inventory, and take Facebook, which is my identity, my friends, and my friends' interests and my interests. And what do we come up with? Well, this. Not only am I being recommended products that I should buy based on what my friends are buying, but at the top, they can see who my friends are, and they can see where their birthdays are. So they're reminding me whose birthdays are coming up, and I can click on see gift suggestions, and it will take me to a page that recommends me products from Amazon that I should buy this person based on their interests. Right? Think about how that changes my experience with Amazon. 
Think about how that changes the experience with my friends. Suddenly I'm not buying them something there. They're like, thanks, thanks very much. Rubbish. I'm buying them things they actually want. And so here's a great example of um, where you take a product, you take Facebook, and you put them together with the Graph API and you're going to have a transformative experience. There's one more thing we wanted to talk about today with regards to the Graph API. We started working with places as far as uh, Facebook was concerned um, earlier this year. And um, we're delighted to announce today that um, our first European uh, places mobile integration is with Quiet. They've got 17 million unique users across 10 countries and nine languages. They've had a million mobile downloads. And today, uh, Vincent Vermas is here, and he's going to talk us through uh, their integration. Please welcome Vermas on stage. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Simon, for the invitation. So, um, Quipe. Let me give you a little bit more input about Quipe. So, 17 million Unix, 1 million downloads, uh, applications available on Android, Blackberry, and iPhone. Quipe is all about finding and sharing good places all around Europe. So, it's about restaurants, bars, hotels, shopping, anything you want, you can find it and you can find reviews about it and you can share the places you like. So on mobile, as you can see, you have a list of more than 850 categories, millions of places and millions of reviews. So as Simon said for other partners, how are you going to make a decision? It's lunchtime, how am I going to choose the best restaurant around me, around the web? You're going to have the search, you're going to have the ratings, you're going to have the recommendations, but what is really important is the personalization. Personalization based on your tastes and personalization based on the tastes of your friends. So today, our mobile platform and our website all already enables the fact that the places we're going to suggest you are based on your tastes and are based on the tastes of your friends. But why have we decided that Facebook Places was interesting for us. It's because it's going to enlarge the reach of your friends. So it's going to enlarge the relevancy of the recommendations for you, and it's going to enlarge the broad of your friends for the suggestion you're looking for. So let's take an example of a restaurant, and let's go through it very quickly. I'm looking for a restaurant around the web. So I'm going to find many good places with great ratings and great reviews, all of them are good, but which one of them is great for me? That's a very good question. To know which one of them is good for me, I'm going to check which of my friends are there, or have been there, or have liked it, or have written a review about it. So when you look about this new screen, I see on the of one of the most important information where my friends have been. If they have been to this place, it probably means that I'm going to like it. And I'm going to trust what my friends have been to, my quiet friends and my Facebook friends. So I'm going to have the real-time information about who's there right now, and I'm going to have the information about who has been there. And I trust that if you have 40 friends which have been there, you're going to trust this restaurant, you're going to go to this restaurant and not the one where you have no recommendation of your friends. You have a full history of everybody who has checked in. And then, on the other way around, once you've been to this restaurant, you can check in 
and you can say whether you have liked this restaurant. And you're going to share this on Facebook. And once you've shared it on Facebook places, it's going to appear on top. So for us, for Quipe, the importance of Facebook places information is about the power of friends to make a local decision and also to increase the visibility of our own platform on Facebook places. We're going to see that quite check-ins are going to be available on Facebook places too. So it's the two way around. Thank you. Oh, so, so guys, those guys are cool. Um, they, you know, they just went along, looked up our docs and started working with the APIs. Uh, and this is the first, um, uh, the first major mobile integration of places um, from a European company, which is obviously something we at Facebook are, uh, uh, with the European part of Facebook, we're like super proud of and uh, really pleased that those guys uh, are working on this stuff. And um, um, when, does the, um, when does the app come out? It's, it's on its way, right? It's on its way. It's on its way? So I think it's going to be submitted today or this week. <laughs> Submitted to the App Store today and uh, will be available very soon. So go and check it out. It's a, a really great way to find uh, restaurants near you. Uh, do your friends definitely recommend you to go to? So um, that's a, a really basic overview of the Graph API. As I said, today. I don't want to go into too much technical detail. We can do more if you want. Um, but go and check it out. Developers.facebook.com/docs/api, and there's everything you need to get started. I just reiterate the whole point of this. What we're trying to do with the Facebook platform is make a social web. We're trying to make big companies social and social companies big. We think that if you take Facebook and take your product and put them together, your product can have a you know, your product can be transformed by social. So the last thing um, I wanted to quickly run through is insights. So right now, people are sharing content from your website in Facebook, like almost guaranteed. They're taking links, they're copying and pasting them, and they're putting them inside Facebook. If you've got like buttons, then an order of magnitude more people are sharing your content inside Facebook. But until recently, once your content gets inside Facebook, you've been kind of blind to what happens to it next, right? Do people comment on it? Do people share it again? Do people like it? And how many people come back? Insights is designed to help you understand how your content is behaving inside Facebook and to um, monitor any improvements you make. So this is a screenshot of Insights for Domains. So um, you guys have probably seen Insights already for ads and pages and applications. What this means is that if you run a page, you can see how many new pages, um, how many new uh, uh, likers you have over time. You can see the interaction with your posts. What this does is it allows you to see for your domain, for your website, for um, tfan.com or .fr uh, or uh, bbc.co.uk, all of the stuff that's happening about your content inside Facebook. So at the top you've got um, the number of daily likes, the number of daily shares, uh, the feedback per share, and that's a measure of the number of interactions with your content. So when somebody likes or comments or reshares it. And then the last thing, the reshare rate, which shows how viral something is. So one person shares it inside Facebook, and if it's viral, it'll bounce around, right? It'll go to my friends, they'll share it with their friends. The reshare rate gives you a great real-time, or near real-time score about how your content is being shared. You've got graphs, obviously, as well. But not only does this happen at domain level for your whole site, you get this data for every single URL 
within your site. Obviously, every single URL that's been shared on Facebook. And so down here, you, pick, you can see individual URLs, the most daily and interactive with URLs within your site today. If you click on one of those, you get this page for every single one of your URLs. And what's cool is because we're Facebook, we can give you great aggregated demographic information. Again, not only for your site, but for every single URL. So you can see the, the Facebook users in, um, sharing and interacting with your content are of a certain demographic. And say you're running a new site, you can see the difference in demographic between a sports story about Formula One or uh, an entertainment story about Angelina Jolie. And the, the amount of intelligence you get from that is just fantastic. Some of you, it's very difficult to get any other way. The great thing about all of these insights for your domain is it's available with one line of code. All you have to do is insert that line of code, replace your user ID with into the uh, head of the front of your website. And that tells Facebook that you own that website, and then you can access all of that knowledge about domains. So that's insights for domains with a single line of code. What's even cooler is that you know, you've got this uh, dashboard that you can go to regularly, but you know, like that's a bit of a chore. What happens if you want to go and do a board report? Do I have to look at that screen and copy the numbers down and do it every day and copy them down again? No, cost time. So what we have is um, uh, export tools for the Insights data. Firstly, you can export manually, and that just downloads an Excel file or a CSV. And if you can do that regularly, you can start to build up reports, build your own charts, derive your own insights, and then when you go and look at your board and do a presentation to your board, they kind of love you. Like that's awesome. <laughs> if you're a really, uh, if you're a big company and you really care about this data and you have uh, a statistics system yourself, we have an API that allows you to get this data out. So you can completely automate the process. The same system that you use to track users <laughs> on your website, you can supplement that with near real-time data from Facebook without ever having to lift a finger again. So that's pretty cool. And guess what? The way to get hold of that is developers.facebook.com slash doc slash insights. It's all there. So just to summarize very quickly, um, we talked about traffic, engagement, and insights. Traffic being more people coming to your site. Engagement meaning they stay longer and they do more. And insights, tools to allow you to change and optimize. And the platform is about bringing socialness, friends, identity and interests into your products to make them to transform. And the starting point for all of this stuff is developers.facebook.com. When we come back, Facebook partner engineer Simon Cross takes questions from the crowd at Le Web 2010 in Paris. Stay with us. This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. Packed with business-to-business -business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. That's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. It walks business people step-by-step -step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders. Or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle.
that's everything I had to say. So, um, questions? Yeah. Sure. Hey, so, could, could you do a live search on Facebook right now? Could I do a live search? Of BBC? Uh, yes. Have we got internet on here? That would, that would be the, the challenge. There <laughs> oh, we go. Oh dear, sorry about this. Do you mean a graph search? Yeah. Sure. This is really hard. You have a screen up there. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> you want me to look for the object or what do you want? What yeah, you want? just the ranking of the BBC results is fascinating. You, you have four BBC. No, you mean on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, so the search bar is on top. Yeah. So you don't mean um, through the API? So, yeah. we, well, what you logs on, what we're trying to show is, is how off Facebook content is showing up in the search. Exactly. Yeah. So um, the, the search functionality on Facebook um, also indexes, also shows the likes you've had outside of the web. So as you liked uh, a program on the BBC, and you type in uh, whatever top here, if you actually liked it, it'll actually appear. So with, on Facebook search drives off Facebook results. Um, which is actually an important point. Uh, <laughs> no way. Very good. Okay, there we go. <coughs> Do you have any likes from the BBC? Well, so one of the things is the BBC, um, most of the BBC website hasn't yet embedded the like button, so some of this stuff doesn't end up. In fact, for me, it actually shows that the YouTube video BBC uploaded there. When I type it in, I get a really sexy red dress that I liked on the <laughs> um, But actually, an important point tied to this, though, is um, making sure that the tags and the information on the like object are well documented so that you appear on, um, on the Facebook search. And actually, somebody yesterday was telling me, because objects are also, um, page objects are also uh, public, and, and indexable, a large algorithmic search engine also picks up some of this content from pages, so it's a different way of driving uh, SEO. So here's a great example of a movie, so Avatar, um, I like this on IMDb. I type Avatar into my search box, and the first thing that comes up is Avatar, I click on that, I'm going to go to IMDb.com. So this works really well, this doesn't work so well for articles, because articles are kind of small uh, objects that um, you kind of like them to share them. Uh, it works really well with big objects, so things like mu music artists, movies, TV shows, products, things like that. So if you run a website um, uh, that has those kind of uh, known, known objects, I suppose, um, then this is how the like button can transform that experience. And how, I mean, how do you rank that? Well, uh, we rank it using uh, an algorithm that includes relevance based on the things you've liked and your friends. So I can't go into details about the algorithm, um, but every single, one of the most amazing things about um, Facebook, and I, I say this as an engineer, is how it works is nuts. Right? Every time you type a letter into that search box, it's doing a search across our entire graph bespoke to you. Not just a search that you know would be the same for everybody. The results that come back are different for me and from Christian. I mean, I don't like a red dress on ASOS, clearly. So, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. How do you get back? So there you go, that's that's how the kind of searching stuff. And that's how the like button, that's a great example of how the like button generates a node in our graph that we think of 
what's actually happening under the hood is when you like a page on um, asos.com or imdb.com, under the hood it's actually generating a real Facebook page, just one that is, is hidden. And has all the same properties of a standard Facebook page, the ability to publish, um, the ability for it to appear in search results, all that kind of thing. So that's why the like button is so powerful. Uh, Simon, great presentation. And you can see the usefulness of the tool, certainly for marketing and sales and this type of thing. But a lot of organizations now are starting to watch Facebook pages as a way to communicate with their publics. And recently, uh, when uh, Unified Command, the U.S. government, stepped in to manage the BP uh, oil spill crisis down in the Gulf, they launched a Facebook page to communicate. And uh, a buddy of mine who's a commander for the U.S. Navy was managing the page and they were crushed with 100,000 comments a day on the page. And uh, there was no way for them to really get their arms around that information, yeah, yeah. try to figure out what was being said. Uh, and I just wonder what, if any, plans you guys are taking to try to help people get their arms around sentiment. Sure, absolutely. So the question was, um, some pages um, have huge amounts of um, engagement on them. And sometimes it's very hard for a page owner to manually deal with that and manage that. Um, Certainly things around TV shows or live events, we see the same kind of thing because they're you know, points in time where lots of people congregate, especially things that are you know, controversial. Um, so we are working on a number of technologies to improve spam. So where we have page spam, which is just people coming up and saying all kinds of crazy stuff, we're working on tools to improve that, which means it just cuts down the noise. But what we um, really suggest is that our tools are pretty basic for page management. As we said, they're a free product. They're designed for you know um, use by everybody. If you're a kind of power user, somebody that manages a lot of pages, or the, the pages you manage have a huge amount of engagement, then we highly recommend you um, look at third parties to help you have. So we have there's a whole bunch of third parties who build tools to help you manage your pages. Um, we have a program called the uh, Preferred Developers Program, the PDC program. Uh, you can find information about that on uh, facebook.com. And those companies, some of them have products that help you do exactly that. They can do you know, keyword automatic moderation, they can do risk analysis of the posts to see whether or not they need to be viewed by a human, and they can do uh, moderation across many, many pages, uh, and do stats across many, many pages. So for those kind of use cases, those power users, we at Facebook focus on building a kind of a really broad-based product, and the APIs. And then uh, companies on the DC program build the clever stuff based on our APIs. Does that make sense? Do you uh, have a recommendation? I mean, who's your favorite for providing that? So what I'd recommend is that um, you speak to a few of them and go and sound them out and see which of them have products that work for you best. I mean, in the UK, I think there are five or six companies. In France, there's three or four. Um, and each of them has products that um, are for slightly different use cases. Um, by best case estimates, sentiment analysis is 60% accurate. So if Delta had told me before I got on the plane that I had a 60% chance of making it to Paris, I wouldn't have got on the plane. <laughs> no, that's true. You could see for something like the BP oil spill that, you know, the machine-based analytics. Yes. But people are, so what we feel about pages is that it's, it's a real discussion. Um, so spam is, is, is bad. It's where, you know, just where noise creeps in, where people are having a real discussion. Um, we think that that's a healthy thing, that's a good thing, and you should manage it where you can, rather than moderating the, over-moderating the system. 
if you're concerned about over, uh, in fact, if you want to read every single post, don't come to Facebook. It's not the place where uh, where you're going to be able to scale that out. Um, it's a place where conversation is encouraged, sharing is encouraged, and, and, and discussions will happen. But uh, that's a great example: crisis management. If it's a bad thing, people are going to be talking about it on Facebook. So probably better to have a hub through which you can at least be part of the conversation rather than letting it happen uh, without you being present. Cool. Sure. Um, you showed us a very interesting uh, um, reports on Insight. Uh, is it from the, do these reports integrate with Google Analytics? So the question was, does our Insight stuff in, integrate with Google Analytics? The answer is no. Uh, that's because nothing. Nothing. That's because um, uh, Google Analytics is obviously for your site. If you wanted to build a tool, and I don't know this, but there probably is, uh, an intermediary product that reads data from our APIs and puts it into Google Analytics. I mean, that probably exists. I, our view on it is we build the basic products. We can see this across all the products we build. We build a really basic product, which is the dashboard, and then give other people the power to leverage that data with our APIs. And so there probably is somebody that does that, yeah. Sure. So, um, thank you for the presentation. I think it was actually quite inspiring to read the more interesting bit. Can we get copies of your slides, please? I think so. Yeah. So, um, I was going to answer at the end. We're actually going to put all the slides from today up on our Scribd account, scribd.cribd.com slash Facebook. Um, they'll be live probably by, whenever we get back to the States. <laughs>